Hi, I'm Dev. And I'm Cam. And you're listening to Criminalish, a true crime podcast where two best friends trade stories ranging from the wild and wacky to the downright messed up. Do you love listening to the Criminalish podcast? Want to hear more from Kim and Dev? Then consider becoming a subscriber for $2.99 a month. Subscribers will have exclusive access to minisodes, Dev and Cam's live reactions to crime shows and documentaries, as well as early access to any multi-part episodes and so much more. Click the link in the show description if you're interested in subscribing. See y'all in Cell Block C. So today, I will be telling Cam about the murder of Daniel John Zeitz, which took place in Sandy Springs, Georgia. Have you heard about this case before, Cam? No, I haven't. It's definitely going to be an interesting one, and it's probably going to upset you. I'm going to go ahead and warn you now. But before we get into today's case, I would like to extend a trigger warning for child endangerment and neglect as well as sexual assault. And finally, what are you drinking today, friend? I know our listeners be like, dang, they are boring. All they ever drink is water and tea and coffee. I promise y'all at the onset, I really thought we was going to be drinking more wine. But sometimes we be, we be recording on like Sunday at 1 p.m. And it just don't feel right to be drinking that early. <laughs> It's not wine hours yet. <laughs> yeah, especially when you're, when you're home alone. It feels a little wrong. It feels a little wrong. To be drinking alcohol at those hours. But <laughs> I am drinking water. Just water. What you drinking, friend? I am drinking an iced caramel latte that America may or may not run on, as well as some water. One, we have to stay hydrated. And two, I feel like that lets you know that this is an inclusive, safe space so that if you don't drink, you don't get to feel excluded from our what we're drinking. So if you're drinking water, leave us a comment. Let us know that you're drinking water. Period. So to get into today's case, Daniel John Zeitz was born on July 24th, 1986 to parents Patty and John Zeitz. What up, Leo gang? I thought the same thing when I saw his birthday. I was like, oh, look at that. That's so cute. (laughs) I was unable to find much information on his childhood, but I do know he grew up with two brothers and had a large extended family that he was very close with. And in every picture I've seen of Daniel, whether he was a toddler, a teen or an adult, he was smiling from ear to ear. His mother has described him as a, quote, gifted, passionate, brilliant, young man, end quote. She has even said, quote, when I think of my son, Danny, I think of two words, carpe diem, end quote, which broadly means to enjoy yourself and your life while you have the chance. Friends of Daniel have also described him as the nicest person they had ever met. In fact, he was given the nickname Mr. Buddy Buddy because he was incredibly friendly to everyone he met And he just had a way of lifting your spirits whenever you were feeling down. So though we don't know a lot about Daniel's early life, we do know that he had a passion and a talent for gaming. Very early, Daniel started playing Halo and he was extremely talented at the game. He would move on to play Call of Duty and Destiny before settling on the game Gears of War under the screen name Phobos. If you don't know, Gears of War's main storyline focuses on a squad of troops who assist in completing a desperate last-ditch attempt to end a war against a genocidal subterranean enemy, the Locust, and save the remaining human inhabitants of their planet. And Daniel was incredibly talented at the game, 
so much so that he would eventually join a team and go on to become one of the first professional Gears of War players in 2006. Yeah, I feel like this was really when esports was rising up. I'd heard of Gears of War, but actually was not familiar with the premise of the game. You're exactly right. This is very much the time where esports was taking off and people were really gaining a lot of respect for just how difficult gaming could be. And if you guys don't know, your girl here is a big nerd, a big gamer. She loves it. So this case warmed my heart quite a bit when I was researching it. So Daniel was very well respected and loved in the gaming community, not only for his talents, but because he was such a stand up guy. So after playing professionally for several years, we come upon September of 2014. Daniel had plans of getting a new gaming console and made the decision to sell his PlayStation 4 on Craigslist. He made a post that he would be selling his old PlayStation 4 for $280. And very quickly, Daniel got three messages of people who wanted to buy the PlayStation from him. He selected one at random and began communicating with them over email. Shortly after initially connecting, Daniel and this person agreed to meet up that same evening in the parking lot of his apartment complex around 9 p.m. So Daniel spent the rest of the day handling a couple of errands before returning home to practice with his fellow Gears of War teammates. At the agreed upon time of 9 p.m., Daniel told his teammates that he would be right back. He gathered his PlayStation along with all the necessary cords and controllers before exiting his apartment. Upon exiting his apartment, he looked around before spotting a vehicle with its lights on. In the driver's seat, there was a young man. In the passenger seat, there was a young woman. And in the back seat, there was a baby. Daniel approached this vehicle and went to the driver's side window to show this potential buyer his PlayStation 4. However, as Daniel went to show them the PlayStation, the man tried to snatch the PlayStation out of his arms. Daniel resisted, and a struggle started between the man who was sitting in the driver's seat and Daniel, who was outside of the vehicle. The woman sitting in the passenger seat then pulls out a gun, which she had concealed in the glove compartment, and points it at Daniel. We don't know if anything was said before she pulls the trigger from the passenger seat. The bullet would end up going through the man's hand and into Daniel's chest, where he collapsed in the parking lot. The attackers would then drive away with the stolen PlayStation 4 in hand and leave Daniel to bleed out in the parking lot of his own apartment complex. He would later be found and pronounced dead at the crime scene. Over a PlayStation? Over a PlayStation. Over a PlayStation whose market value at the time was $400 and he was selling it for $280. With your baby in the car or with a baby in the car, since we don't know who these people are yet. Exactly. So police began investigating, trying to figure out who could have done this to Daniel. And just a few hours after the murder, police are informed that a couple has shown up to the hospital asking for treatment for a gunshot wound. And they are also claiming that they were the victims of a robbery. The police quickly arrive to the Northside Hospital, where they find 20-year-old Nathaniel Vivian and his 16-year-old girlfriend, Kayla Dixon, as well as Kayla's 16-month-old child. Gross at the 2016 age difference. Trust me, we're going to get to it, girl. Trust me, we're going to get to that. Because I have a lot of issues with Nathaniel. First of all, being that he's inappropriately dating a 16-year-old. So. And got her pregnant. Well, hold on. Oh. 
Because if she has a 16 month old, that means that she got pregnant. Oh, I'm going to tell you, Cam. I promise you I will. Wait a second. Oh, God. We're going to get into it. I promise you we will. (laughs) Police quickly separated the couple and began questioning them individually about what happened. Initially, the couple stated that they were the victims of a robbery and that they were shot as a result of that robbery. However, their stories don't quite match and police were quickly able to pin the couple against each other. Nathaniel was first to change his story to be that Kayla had actually dropped the gun and that it had gone off and shot him through the hand. And of course, officers are not believing that story, so they continue to apply pressure to him, and he cracks. And he confesses that he and Kayla had attempted to rob someone, and that Kayla had shot that person during the robbery. The same day, both Kayla and Nathaniel were arrested for the suspicion of murder. So I'm sure you're wondering, who the hell is Kayla Dixon and Nathaniel Vivian? Yeah. And why was somebody's life worth the PlayStation 4? Oh, we're going to get into it, friend. So Kayla Dixon was born in Atlanta, Georgia in 1998. I do not know her exact birthday. And Kayla has been described as having a very difficult and rough childhood and upbringing. She was sexually assaulted and abused as a child. And at just the age of 14, she would become pregnant with her first child. She also found herself in several abusive and manipulating relationships with older men as she was going through middle and high school. And it really seems like Kayla lacked a lot of guidance and love and affection in her life. But seemingly that changed for Kayla when she meets Nathaniel Vivian when she is 16. Nathaniel Vivian was 20 years old when they met. And I have no information on who Nathaniel is as a person It was quite difficult to find additional information on him outside of relation to this crime. But I do know that Kayla was smitten with him. And just like for our Sharon Kinney episode, we're going to have to put the inappropriate relationship between these two aside in order to continue with the story. But trust me, I completely understand how their relationship is not appropriate. And we are not co-signing it in any way, shape, or form. However, I will say that the age of consent in the state of Georgia is 16. So if we do believe their story, that they did not start dating and or meet until after Kayla was 16, which I do not believe, he is technically not doing anything illegal. But I'm sure we can all agree that it feels that way. Yeah, and even though he's not doing anything illegal, definitely something immoral. Absolutely immoral. Because she is vulnerable. She's a 16-year-old with a child. She's vulnerable. And you swoop in with your old behind. I know he's not old, but it's just, don't date teenagers. Don't date teenagers. Just don't do it. And teenagers, don't date adults. Like, I realize that in a teenager's mind, adults definitely seem cooler, but to other adults, that person is a bum. And that's the reason on top of the fact that they're predatory. That's the reason nobody their age will date them. Exactly. And I say this to you as somebody who was a teenager who dated a man that was way too old for her. I, I tell you this, it's not worth it. And that person does not care about you nearly as much as you think they do. They don't. They like manipulating you. They like that you're easier to manipulate than people their own age. Trust me, this comes from experience. So now I will also address the other big elephant in the room, which is who is the father of Kayla's child? I do not know 
if Nathaniel was the father of Kayla's child or not. Some reports say that he is, though I have personal knowledge and other reports that say that he is not. So I am completely unsure of just how long him and Kayla have been, quote, dating, end quote, at the time of this incident. And there has been no confirmation of the paternity of this child. Do I personally believe it's Nathan's child? Yes, because I have no respect for him as a human being. But that's just me. That is my speculation that has not been confirmed anywhere. So despite us not knowing the ins and outs of Kayla and Nathaniel's relationship, we do know that the couple was struggling financially. And the couple had actually sold quite a few of their things on Craigslist in order to try and make ends meet, which includes their own PlayStation 4, which they had sold in order to pay bills. Oh, they are seeming like some terrible people the more and more you tell me about them. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, you sold the PlayStation, but then you wanted to steal another one back. I will go ahead and tell you this. It is believed that the purpose of stealing this PlayStation was to replace the one that they had sold. Oh, yeah, I get that, which is just stupid. Exactly. Very much so. So on September 12th of 2014, Nathaniel comes across an ad for a PlayStation 4 for $280 posted by a young man named Daniel John Zeitz. Nathan reaches out to Daniel and inquires about the PlayStation, and they agree to meet up and exchange the PlayStation. Nathaniel then tells Kayla about the plan over text, where she asks Nathaniel, quote, you want to rob him, end quote. To which Nathaniel replies, quote, yeah, end quote they couldn't have made it a phone call i mean i don't not want them to get caught but that's just so silly that's just so careless oh baby we're about to get into silly and careless we're about to get into silly and careless because over the next two hours nathaniel and kayla exclusively texted each other to discuss how they would rob daniel including Who would hold the gun that they planned to bring with them? And this point was actually an argument for the couple as both of them wanted the other to hold the gun. However, the couple ultimately agreed that the gun would be placed in the glove compartment of the vehicle and they would determine who would need to utilize the gun in the moment if they needed it. So the couple then got in their car, bringing along Kayla's 16-month-old baby in the back seat and began driving to the address that Daniel had provided them. At 9.12 p.m., Nathaniel would text Daniel to say that he was outside the apartment, to which Daniel replied with the text saying, quote, coming out now, end quote. When Daniel came out of his apartment, He came to the driver's side of the car and showed Nathaniel the PlayStation and Nathaniel attempted to snatch the PlayStation away from him. And as the two were struggling for the PlayStation, Daniel reaches into the car and attempts to grab the steering wheel so the couple will not drive off with his PlayStation. And it is at this moment that Kayla reaches into the glove compartment and pulls out a 25 caliber gun and points it at both Daniel and Nathaniel. It is believed that no words were exchanged and nothing was said before she fires the gun while sitting in the passenger seat. The bullet would then go through Nathaniel's hand and into Daniel's chest where he collapsed in the parking lot. Amongst the panic, The couple left the scene and drove to the Northside Hospital and attempted to get medical treatment for Nathaniel, but they made sure that they had the PlayStation 4 that they had just murdered Daniel for. At around 9.30 p.m., 
the Sandy Springs police responded to a person down call and discovered the body of 28-year-old Daniel John Zeitz lying dead in the parking lot of his own apartment complex. At the same time, the Brookhaven police had responded to a call from Northside Hospital telling them that they had a patient with a gunshot wound who were also claiming to be victims of a robbery. When the Brookhaven police arrived, Nathaniel told them that he had been shot in the Brookhaven apartment complex during a robbery attempt and that his girlfriend drove him to the hospital afterwards and that she was waiting in the hospital parking lot while he sought out treatment. Officers then went to talk to Kayla and when the officers approached the vehicle, they noticed a large amount of blood inside of the car and they asked Kayla what happened. And Kayla said that Nathaniel had been shot in the hand in the Brookhaven apartment complex parking lot. But Kayla said that she had taken the gun out of the glove compartment and dropped it. And as a result, the gun went off and shot him through the hand. So it wasn't a robbery, according to Kayla. Exactly. Like, get your story together, at least. The... <sighs> In my opinion, there was no effort to have any kind of coherent story. There was no conversation about this whatsoever. So upon hearing that there's a gun in the car, police returned to Nathaniel and got his written permission to search his vehicle. And during that search, police recovered the 25 caliber handgun from the glove compartment. And they also find the PlayStation 4 hidden in the trunk. Upon this discovery, police go back into the hospital and ask Nathaniel what really happened. And he changes his story again. And the story now is that Kayla was going to pick up some friends and he heard gunshots. And he just so happened to realize that he had been shot after they left the scene. So where did the robbery come from? Thin air, obviously. Like, if I'm the police officer, I'd be like, okay, why didn't you tell me this story first? I have thoughts on why they went with the story they went with, but I'm going to tell you about them in a minute. Mm -hmm. So, of course, the police don't believe that story either. And after applying just a little bit more pressure to Nathaniel, Nathaniel finally admits that he had stolen the PlayStation 4 that was in the trunk. And he said that Kayla had shot him accidentally as they were trying to leave the scene. Mind you, he leaves out the very important information that Daniel was shot as a result of this altercation. Right. He also provides them with the address of where he went and stole this PlayStation 4. And this is when the Brookhaven police got in contact with the Sandy Springs police. He gave them the real address? Yes, ma'am. An address that just so happened to line up with where the Sandy Springs police had found Daniel's body. The case was then transferred to the Sandy Springs police. And once the case had been transferred, both Kayla and Nathaniel were taken into custody under the suspicion of murder. So both Kayla and Nathaniel were taken into custody. But the majority of information I have is going to be in relation to Nathaniel as Kayla was a minor at the time of the offense. So a lot of the information about her has been sealed and is not accessible to the public. That makes sense. So if you're wondering why I'm focusing more heavily on Nathaniel's statements, his are a matter of public record and Kayla's are not. After Kayla and Nathaniel were taken into custody, police interviewed each of them individually. And both of them confessed to the crime that I have laid out for you. Also, in this interview, police are able to obtain Nathaniel's cell phone and discover that there were messages between him and Daniel 
in relation to the selling of the PlayStation. But also, police are able to recover text messages from Nathaniel's phone that came from a, quote, fake number texting app, end quote. And they were also able to see his internet search history where he had recently searched, quote, how to rob somebody, end quote. Imagine a WikiHow article comes up <laughs> and it's like, you have four methods you can choose from when you're trying to rob somebody. That's exactly what I envisioned happened is that WikiHow popped up and he just went through right. and he was looking at the little bad images that they have. Right. That's exactly, exactly what I envisioned happened. So, of course, based on this, police were able to deduce that Kayla and Nathaniel have been planning to rob someone for months. And with a proper phone extraction, police would also discover that Kayla and Nathaniel were watching YouTube videos on how to commit a robbery. And that they also had erased their text messages between each other in order to hide evidence. But. Due to that phone extraction, the police were able to discover that Kayla and Nathaniel pretty much exclusively texted each other to plan the robbery of Daniel. There were numerous text messages between Kayla and Nathaniel discussing plans to rob Daniel. They discussed how they were getting his address, how they wanted to do it, whether to come at him with the gun immediately or to surprise him and catch him when he came outside or whether they would just bust into this man's apartment. These text messages went back and forth for over two hours before going to Daniel's apartment complex. But again, they had been looking up the theme of how to rob somebody for months. It's just so heartless. Exactly. After these interviews, the medical examiner also says that Daniel suffered a gunshot wound to the chest, which resulted in his death. And the gun found in the car that the couple was driving would later match to the shell casings found at the crime scene. So 10 days after Daniel's murder, on September 22nd, 2014, Kayla and Nathaniel would be indicted by a Fulton County grand jury and they were both charged with seven counts. These include malice murder, felony murder, the felony murder predicated on an armed robbery, that armed robbery predicated on an aggravated assault, armed robbery, aggravated assault, possession of a firearm during the commission of a felony, and cruelty to children in the third degree. Yeah, they, they know how to pile on them charges when it's a felony. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to sprinkle this one in too, and this one in too, and mm -hmm. this one in too. The initial reaction of the greater gaming community to Daniel's murder was devastation. An article was posted in the Gamer Headlines, quote, The world of pro gaming has been real today, as it has been recently made public that the 20-year-old Daniel John Zeitz, also known as Danny Zeitz, or his handle, Phobos, has been murdered by a gunshot wound while trying to sell his unwanted PS4 via Craigslist, end quote. Many people spoke out about the positive experience they had had with Daniel and how much he meant not only just to his friends, but to the people who knew him well into the greater gaming community as a whole. Specifically, his teammate, a YouTuber by the name of KL Arctic, who had known Daniel for almost 10 years at the time of his murder, made a couple of different videos describing his experience with Daniel, how he found out about the murder, and encouraging his viewers to donate to a GoFundMe that he has set up for the Zeitz family to cover Daniel's funeral cost. And this GoFundMe would raise almost $24,000 for the Zeitz family. That's really beautiful. And or I was going to ask, do you know if KL Arctic and Danny had ever met in real life or it was just that like gaming online friendship? 
No, they were teammates together. So they had gone to several tournaments together. And oh, nice. He also talked about how the first tournament he ever went to, he went with Danny and that Danny was such a supportive teammate and that he, again, just made him feel so comfortable in like this big arena of professional gaming. So they were quite close. And KL's family actually lived in Georgia close to Daniel's family. So their families even knew each other. Oh, wow. That's really sweet. I was going to say, even if they had never met, I do know stories about people who had really strong friendships with people on the other side of the country and different parts of the world, just because they were always gaming together. They were spending so much time together. And so I think it's really just a testament to the relationship that they built. And I can only imagine the pain that he went through losing such a close friend like that. Absolutely. And that's why I love gaming. Um, I think people really underestimate the power of gaming and how you can build those super deep friendships and those really close relationships with people that you may never meet. And it it can be a beautiful thing. And in this case, it very much was a beautiful thing. And it was beautiful to even watch. I watched a lot of videos in preparation for this case. But watching several people talk about their experience with Danny or talk about just how impactful he was as a person and how much of a light he was to the world. It was beautiful to watch all those videos. I'll be sure to link some of them in our description box so that you guys can go watch those and listen to other people talk about their experiences with Daniel. So now we're going to get into the trials. Kayla and Nathaniel would be tried separately. And Kayla, who was only 16 at the time, would be tried as an adult. Due to delays and for reasons outside of anybody's control, the case would not go to trial until the summer of 2016, 21 months after Daniel had been murdered. And Kayla, who was now 18, was scheduled to go to trial first. However, on June 20th, 2016, the day that her trial was supposed to begin, Kayla would accept a plea deal. Kayla Dixon pleaded guilty to voluntary manslaughter, concealing the death of another, robbery, and the possession of a firearm during the commission of a felony. She was sentenced to 40 years in prison, and at her sentence, she read a statement and here is some of that statement for you all to listen to. Surprise move today. A Dorville teenager admitted her part in the death of a Sandy Springs man and agreed to serve 40 years in prison. Danny Zeitz was killed during the robbery of his video game console. And Channel 2's Mike Pachinik was the only reporter in court as the teen tearfully apologized. And the victim's family had a message, too. Justin, today was supposed to be the first day of Kayla Dixon's trial, but just as jury selection was to begin, she accepted that plea deal and apologized to Danny Zeitz's family. I know he, um, he had plans. I wish I could tell him I'm so, so sorry that this happened, but I can't. Through tears, 18-year-old Kayla Dixon expressed remorse for her part in the 2014 shooting death of semi-pro video gamer Danny Zeitz outside of his Sandy Springs apartment. I would try anything, almost anything, to bring Daniel back, but I, I know I can't. Prosecutors say Dixon and her boyfriend responded to a Craigslist ad Zeitz posted to sell his PlayStation, intending to rob him. When he resisted... Dixon admits she pulled the gun from between her legs and fired off the shot that killed Zeitz. I sit in my cell every, every day thinking about that night. Dixon's plea means she'll spend 40 years in prison. Yeah, it, it's hard because it's like, thank you for making a statement where you actually take accountability. And it, it's hard because we've seen those cases where people make statements where they still deny the role that they played in whatever crime. And that's even more hurtful. But I think on the flip side, it's not really any less hurtful. It doesn't really take away the pain that the family and his loved ones are feeling. Exactly. And I will say just in regard to that, she did plead guilty to the crimes. So it would be 
severely inappropriate for her to say that she didn't do them if she was pleading guilty. But I agree. And honestly, I don't know how to feel about her statement, but her apology isn't to me. It is to Daniel's family. And outside of the courthouse, Daniel's family stated that they could accept Kayla's apology. And while it wouldn't bring Danny back, they hoped that she had learned from this entire situation and that she would grow to be a better person. Daniel's mother, Patty, said, quote, at first, I didn't want to accept her apology. I thought her apology today was very heartfelt, and I feel like she is truly sorry for what happened. It's just a crime that young people can get caught in these situations because of the examples they'd had in their lives, end quote. Daniel's father, John, would also add, quote, I hope it stays with her and she becomes a better person and able to contribute when she finally does get out, end quote. Yeah, and I think that is the hard part about this case is that she was so young when this happened and she was so impressionable, not only because of her age, but because of the experiences that she'd had growing up. I'm sure to her, Nathaniel was one of the first experiences that she had with any kind of love. And when you grow up, not really getting that, not really experiencing that, you want to hold on to it at whatever cost. Exactly. And throwback, this reminds me to how I kind of always felt when I would watch For My Man, those stories of women who did crazy things to secure their relationships or did whatever they did for their man. Kayla's predicament reminds me of that. And one of the things her defense attorney pointed out in her final statements is that Kayla had a very rough upbringing, that she was sexually assaulted and abused as a child, and that she was a baby who had a baby and just didn't have the guidance that she needed in life. In addition to her apology to the Zeitz family, Kayla's attorney also told the court that should the prosecution need it, she was more than willing to testify against Nathaniel in his upcoming trial. So, Kayla Dixon is currently incarcerated at Ardendale State Prison in Georgia with a maximum release date of September 11th, 2054. Nathaniel would go on trial later that same summer in August of 2016. The prosecution laid out all of the evidence that I have presented for you today, including his text messages, his internet searches, and all the forensic evidence. Nathaniel chose not to take the stand in his own case, but his defense attorney said that Kayla was solely the one to blame for this crime. She said that Kayla is the one who initiated the text of, quote, you want to rob him, end quote, making her more culpable for the crime that took place. Quote, everyone's testimony today never had Nate touch the gun. Only that Kayla had the gun, took it out the glove compartment and shot, end quote. Which is a defense. It is a defense. Yeah. At the conclusion of the case, 22-year-old Nathaniel Vivian was found guilty of six of the seven charges against him, including felony murder, predicated on armed robbery and predicated on aggravated assault, armed robbery, aggravated assault, possession of a firearm during the commission of a felony, and cruelty to children in the third degree. He was found not guilty of malice murder. He was sentenced to life in prison plus five years. Nathaniel did try to appeal his convictions in August of 2021, citing ineffective assistance of counsel. And I actually found the court's response to his appeal, which is where I got a lot of the information for today's case. And one of the things that he was upset about is that he was not aware that he could have defended himself. This the same man who over text confirmed his plans for a crime, who 
came up with a robbery story and then switched it up to be that his girlfriend had just accidentally shot him. The same man thought that he'd be capable of defending himself in a court of law. Of course. Okay. Just wanted to make sure I got that straight. Cool. Of course. Of course. And of course, in that same appeal, he also claimed that he was denied due process and that there was evidence that should not have been allowed in because it was not properly obtained. However, the motion was denied. A few months after Daniel's death, a small film crew reached out to the Zeitz family about filming a documentary on Daniel and his story. And the family agreed. So this film crew worked directly with Daniel's family to produce a mini documentary. This eight minute film was submitted to several short film contests and was even taking donations to expand the production and turn it into a full blown proper feature film. And as part of those donations, 10% of the proceeds would go to a scholarship made in Daniel's honor and 5% of all the proceeds would be going directly to the site's family in order to continue telling Daniel's story and spread awareness of the importance of being safe, especially when shopping on Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace, or eBay. While I do know this documentary has been shown at several short film contests and people have spoken very highly of it, I have been unable to find this eight minute documentary anywhere and have only been able to find small clips and trailers about it. So unfortunately, I won't be able to link the documentary, but I will share with you all the videos I have seen in relation to it. The producers behind the documentary were able to raise about $3,100 towards their goal of turning this project into a feature film. But as far as I'm aware, the full length film never happened. But I do hope by us covering Daniel's story, we can aid in continuing his legacy while also providing some awareness of ways to protect yourself when shopping online. I went through similar concerns because when I was moving, I had a lot of stuff that I wanted to sell on Facebook Marketplace and a lot of it was pretty big stuff. So when I could transport it in my car, I definitely chose to meet up in a public place. But I did have some people come to my door to pick certain things up. I think luckily for me, my landlord had a camera in the front of the house, so I felt a little bit safer. I also wouldn't send the address until I knew they were a confirmed buyer, even though I did have some people still not show up after I sent my address, which unnerved me a little bit. Um, but it was definitely something in the back of my mind during the whole process where I'm like, I'm meeting up with a complete stranger to sell this thing and asking them to give me money. Luckily, I didn't really have any terrible experiences. Most of them are pretty good, but it was definitely something that I was thinking about and that I was scared of, too. And that's completely fair. And same thing. I've, you know, sold things on Facebook Marketplace. I've um, sold things on eBay before. However, I'm super sensitive about people knowing where I live and I've never had to sell anything that I couldn't easily move somewhere else to meet somebody in public um, where cameras are visible and appropriate, things like that. And it's so sad that we live in a world where I have to think about, I need to make sure that I meet up this person that I don't know and make sure that there's cameras, that it's well lit, that there's witnesses, that I have to do all of that when I'm just trying to do you a favor and sell you something secondhand. It sucks that we live in a world where I have to think about the location of where I can do this exchange. I was even watching one video where a guy was like, straight up, if you want to exchange anything, meet at a police station, do it right in front of the police station, do it right in front of a Walmart. Do not under any circumstances meet anywhere where there's not like hundreds of people moving there all the time. Yeah. And it just sucks that like, and it just sucks that I have to be worried about somebody doing something like this. And and again, you know, 99% of Craigslist sellings, Facebook market set, Facebook marketplace sellings are totally safe and everything goes off with a hitch. But 1% of the time something like this happens. And it's just so awful and so senseless and so pointless because 
you both ruined your lives over $280 over a PlayStation. But also let's talk about prioritizing. You don't have money for bills. Right. Why are you worried about your PlayStation? Why are you worried about a PlayStation? Especially if that PlayStation is not making you money. It'd be different if he was like, no, I'm a live streamer. I need a PlayStation Mm -hmm. or my source of income. No. Are you really going to sit here and tell me that you did all of this over trying to play 2K? Are you for real? You took away somebody's brother, somebody's boyfriend, somebody's son. Over $280 over a PlayStation. Mind you, a newer PlayStation was coming out in three months. So an obsolete piece of equipment you murdered somebody over and ruined your life over. And took away somebody who was so precious to so many people. That's what you chose to do. And I want to finish out telling this story by reading you something from Daniel's obituary. Quote, Danny had a unique spirit that would light up a room. His humor was contagious and his heart was larger than life. We will miss you, Phobos. Daniel is survived by his mother and father, Patty and John Zeitz, brothers Jacob and Mikey Zeitz, a large extended family and close friends, and a girlfriend, Brittany Crowder, end quote. And that is the end of our story, friend. No, thank you for this story. I think it was such a senseless case. Absolutely. And his life was taken way too soon. He did not deserve any of that. Exactly. It just upsets me how little value we place in human lives sometimes. Because again, this all happened because you wanted to steal a PlayStation. And the reality of the situation is when it didn't go according to plan, y'all could have pulled off. And this is where I this is where my sympathy for Kayla teeters, because because as far as I know, it's never been said that Nathaniel told her to grab the gun, that Nathaniel told her to shoot him, anything like that. She of her own volition grabbed the gun. And as far as I know didn't threaten him with it full on fired and shot this man. And not only that you fired a gun from inside of a vehicle with your child in the back seat. Cause remember they were both seated in the car. You fired a gun from inside a vehicle where a 16 month old baby is in the back seat. And I understand that people have negative life experiences that shape who they are. I understand that she had a very rough upbringing and that she had a hard life that put her in the situation that she was in being with this man, wanting to rob this man for his PlayStation where she loses me is going and grabbing that gun and shooting this man with your child in the backseat. And it's just so unfortunate that you're going to get out of prison when you're 58 years old. You might get Mm -hmm. out early for possibly good behavior, anything like that. But you're going to be old when you get out of prison. Your child is growing up without a mother. And I'm assuming without a father, if we assume Nathaniel's the father, definitely without a father. If we assume some random dude is the father, who knows if he'll come back into the picture. You have just ruined so many lives over a silly choice. The Zeitz family is affected. Your family is affected. His family is affected. Your child's family is affected. It just breaks my heart that this happened at all. Yeah. And like you said, she didn't have to shoot. I'm sure that if she'd pulled out that gun, Danny would have backed away. Exactly. And they could have gone on their merry way with their stolen PlayStation. They probably still would have got caught. Right. But I'm sure if she just brandished the gun, he would have backed away. Exactly. And everybody would have gone home alive. 
Right. And she'd be facing charges of robbery and probably gun charges, still child endangerment charges, but she wouldn't be facing murder. Exactly. And that's why even the timeline of how it's been described that she just immediately pulled out this gun and and shot him because some of the forensic supports that Daniel's blood was also in the car mixed in with Nathaniel's blood. So he was right by the car when he was shot. Mm -hmm. So that tells me that he didn't, even if you did brandish the gun, he didn't see it. I guarantee that if he had actually saw and registered that she had a gun, that he would not have prioritized the PlayStation over his life. He would have backed away and probably called the police on y'all because he had all the evidence. He probably also would have gotten your license plate. You would have got charges regardless. But at least he would be alive and he would have been able to live his life and continue to be there and support the people that meant a lot to him. Because he had such big dreams and aspirations for himself. And remember, he was only 28 years old at the time of his murder. Thank you guys so much for listening. And thank you guys for supporting Criminalish in our first season. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like an even deeper insight into who Kayla Dixon was, please consider becoming a member of our newly launched Patreon. If you would like to see an interview with a person who knew Kayla at the time of the crime and get an even better understanding of who Kayla was and what the community thought about this case, please be sure to go over and subscribe to our Patreon for just $3 a month. After some feedback, we have decided to remove our subscriber content that we currently have posted on Spotify over to Patreon, and this will allow us to better connect with our listeners and get some understanding and senses of what you guys really want to see from us. So please, as we conclude season one of the Criminalish podcast, consider joining us on Patreon to continue supporting our podcast. Thank you for listening and joining us. I'd also like to thank KL Arctic and Justia for providing most of the material for this episode. And if you'd like to check out photos related to this case, please be sure to follow us at Criminalish Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. Listeners, if you liked what you heard, please be sure to leave us a five-star review wherever you're listening to the Criminalish Podcast. And if you're listening on Spotify or YouTube, feel free to leave any comments or questions. As always, stay nosy, my friends, and we'll see you in season two. Bye. Bye.